Since the sacrament that we did here in Louisville, it has really set me on a path of spiritual growth. I've read a lot, learned a lot, listened to a lot of uh, information about theories about consciousness. And like I said to you at the time, like, how do you do this without talking about God? Because I, I was connected to something really important. You know, I was getting really what I felt very spiritual, significant messages about everything from, you know, the plants in my house to my husband's cancer. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak, they talk to you, they will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Psilocybin mushrooms are not new to the human experience. While they may seem like a recent discovery in mental health, these mushrooms have been considered sacred since the Paleolithic period for their ability to heal the human spirit and therefore the mind. Sanctuary Church is reviving the traditions of our ancestors for a modern world as a faith-based organization centered around the sacrament of sacred mushrooms for spiritual exploration and personal development. Sanctuary invites like-minded individuals to become a member and commune with us. Join us for Sunday Zoom service or a weekend sacred mushroom retreat in the beautiful Kentucky countryside. Visit P-S-A-N-C-T-U-A-R-Y dot org to become a member or for more information. Honor, welcome to Psilocybin Says. Thank you for having welcome, me. Welcome, Honor. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's been a long time coming that I've been wanting to sit down with you, honestly. Uh, you know, even back with Psilocybin Chronicles, I've felt like your story was one that could really help a lot of people. And now, as fate would have it, you've <laughs> located here in Louisville, and uh, we're our first sanctuary um, sacrament service. So... Yeah, you've you've had an interesting role to play in in my work, and I guess we've had an int- interesting role to play, or I should say, our work. You know, Courtney wasn't there for your first either either of your sessions, really. Uh, but I was behind the behind scenes. Behind the scenes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, what are the odds of us ending up together here? It's really interesting, isn't it? Um, I was talking with uh, someone yesterday just about how many synchronicities there are between. Some of the people that like even David, you know, it's 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 uncanny how these connections occur and where they lead to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Something interesting to observe. So anyway, let's uh, just get into how you came to psilocybin first and foremost. Uh, well, like a lot of people, I initially heard about the Johns Hopkins study and dep- and the effects on depression that uh, were happening with some of the sessions they were seeing. And I had suffered de- from depression for many years, and I was taking uh, pro. I had been taking Prozac and had success with Prozac. But um, I think I didn't want to be on Prozac for the rest of my life. There was a... I had stopped taking it a couple of times and could, could tell the... The difference, the depression would come back, but when I'd start taking it again, I'd sort of lose this, cre- I don't know what else to call it, except sort of like this creative spark, 
my need to create mm. something like tell, like I used to write, for example, and that's part of my theory about why creative people and artists tend to use like you know get depressed and use substances. It's mm. like I think there's a tie in there somewhere. But anyway, it was better than you know losing that creative spark was better than killing myself. So mm. um, I stayed on the Prozac. And so when I heard about this, I thought about it as an opportunity to uh, maybe stop taking Prozac and not be depressed. And I was also fascinated by the spiritual uh, aspects that people were talking about. Now, mm. I never admitted it to anyone, but that was that was a huge part of, of me wanting to try psilocybin. But it wasn't a good enough justification for me to get on a plane and go to Jamaica, it was the depression that was the thing I could use to, to you know, give it a try. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so funny you bring that up about uh, substance abuse and uh, creativity, depression. You know, individuals with higher levels of intelligence have a predilection for altered states. Oh, wow. It's, it's, there's research on it. Uh, and also, it's pretty well established that higher levels of, levels of intelligence also... Uh, come along with higher levels of suffering because your awareness of the state of mankind and your questions of you know existential nature contribute to depressive state because I mean it's, it's ultimately all <laughs> it seems like it's all meaningless you know yeah. <laughs> not necessarily a really happy thought unless you can like find the joy in you know the absurdity of it all uh, but hmm. there's there's seems to be a a shamefulness associated with um, seeking altered states, and it, you know you've talked about some of the people you've known in your life that were really intelligent. That one mm -hmm. of them, I think, died on heroin mm -hmm. or of heroin, and uh, you can you can see throughout creative people and highly intelligent people love getting fucked up. I yeah, I think honestly, I think people who don't have I think there's some connection to between the creativity or intelligence and that lack of a, a filter. F people who feel a lot mm -hmm. and don't seem to have that mm -hmm. as much of a filter, the ability to filter out what they see, what they you know, what they feel, what's mm -hmm. going on around them. They tend toward um, creative endeavors, and I mean, I mean, I should probably explain also that uh, I had after drinking alcoholically for probably 10 years and on a very functional level when i was about 32 i quit drinking and got became part of a 12-step program and i had a honeymoon for six months which is what is what they call it where i felt really good for six months mm. and then the depression hit mm. and i mean i'm sure we'll get into this but that was um there, there was a, a lot of conflict around getting medical help for that because it was medication and a lot of people in, um, you know, in recovery frown upon any kind of, hmm. you know, what they saw as a mood-altering, you know, Prozac, Really? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, not not. I mean, there are different schools of thought uh, mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. it. Obviously, but there are you know there are the extremists, you know the 
the I call them the Nazis, uh, but that's probably a little harsh. They, the most strict uh, people in twelve step who who believe that pretty much. I mean, I remember hearing somebody bragging about how they would rather kill themselves than take the medication to, you know, that type of medication, wow. like uh, antidepressant medication, mm-hmm. because they would die, quote, sober or clean. Okay. Which I thought was really twisted i mean that was when it became obvious to me that that is not a right that's not a right way of thinking or at Mm -hmm. least that can't be right it couldn't be right yeah that's Mm. pretty fascinating so what what happened after that six months of that honeymoon period like what was your next step so you sought out uh well, that's a good help? question. Extra help? Yeah, or? I did. I mean, but I, I, I wouldn't go to medication because of, of right. you know, I didn't want to take anything. So I started, I mean, I actually tried, I did try vitamins. I tried biofeedback for a while. Hmm. I, mm-hmm. I had been in therapy. I started, I don't remember when I started seeing a therapist, but I had, I was fortunate in the job I had, had very good insurance. And I saw a very good therapist for literally for, years and uh, I I don't remember what else but I, I pretty much tried everything until I realized that I would probably kill myself if I didn't take the next step and try antidepressant medication and again was very conflicted about hmm. that did the people closest to you know how depressed you were um that's a good question um I don't I don't think so I mean, my my therapist knew. I know what mm-hmm. suicidal ideation is, and I never I never acted on it. I I thought about it, but mm-hmm. I was always afraid I'd have to. Honest to God, I mean, I had some. I wasn't religious, so to speak, mm-hmm. but I had some spiritual. Definitely had some spiritual, you know, beliefs, and mm-hmm. all I knew was I didn't want to have to come back and do this again. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. I said, because if I quit, that was my thing. And if uh-huh. I quit, right. I might have to come back and do this again. Yeah. And hell no, not going to do that. And the other thing was my mom was still alive. And I thought about the agony that she would go through if I kill myself. So those were the two things that stopped me. Mm. Wow. Can we talk a little bit about this whole um, obsession with sobriety? And I think that'll be a good place for us to springboard into your first mushroom experiences. Um, what do you What do you think that is? When you When you, I mean, I mean, not even not just sobriety. I'm talking like against medication, like taking any outside substance. It, there, there's such a there's such a conflict there because I mean, like those same people will drink pots of coffee a day, right? Or whatever else, like nicotine. Yes, there's like exactly. There are substances that are acceptable. Is, do you have any idea what's the reasoning behind that? Yeah, I mean, I that's a good question. But, I mean, you, you also have to remember that, again, there are, you know, it's like, you know, if someone s- says they're sober, it's like saying you're a Christian. I mean, how many different schools mm-hmm. of Christianity mm-hmm. are there? So there are people who get sober and join programs or become part of programs who, 
yes, it it's you know drink and smoke all you want. Not drink, sorry, smoke and drink as much coffee mm-hmm. as you want because no matter how much you drink, how much coffee you drink, and how many cigarettes you smoke, you're gonna be you're gonna be sober in the sense that you're not gonna be doing anything that's going to screw up. Um, you know your life in any immediate way you know you're not gonna <laughs> you know you're not going to be doing embarrassing things you're not gonna lose your job you're not gonna lose your family mm-hmm. over that likely i mean sure we can talk about the long-term effects and mm-hmm. you know lung cancer but you know yeah, in the meantime I mean, antidepressants aren't going to do no either, no right so like no you're right i mean and there are there are a lot of people who um support that you know i mean it when i've when I was looking at taking antidepressants, I mean, Prozac was new, um, relatively new. Mm-hmm. And I think there was sort of a lack of understanding. People saw it as, or some people saw it as, you know, a mood-altering s- substance and without understanding the difference between, like, taking, a, a pro, you know, taking Prozac and taking a Valium. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Other people, I think, were perfectly fine with it. I want to give those people breathwork classes. Yeah. You know, like nothing will get you as high as your own damn breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing? Not really. It's like, I mean, like you can definitely induce some DMT-like states with breathwork. And DMT is about as far out there as you can get. Right. Uh, so it's just, yeah, and the body makes DMT, right? It's just like this incoherent, conclusion that people right. come to baffles me you do i mean you just have to remember that there's also so much emotional baggage mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. the kind of stuff people do when they drink or use too much mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. things like drugs and alcohol there's so much shame and there's so much baggage people have lost you know you know they've killed people driving or they've lost mm-hmm. their families they mm-hmm. lost spouses they've maybe lost kids they've they've lost jobs they've i mean so there's so much emotional stuff around it mm-hmm. that some people react you know very violently against like anything that smacks of it mm-hmm. at all which is you know why i had a i mean I think I had a little bit of a problem in Jamaica at one point. Um, but yeah, I think they don't understand it. But when when you're when when you're coming into a program to get like sober and you and part of that is surrendering and accepting the, the fact that, you know, they say your best thinking got you where you are today. Mm-hmm. So you're you have you have to from for most people in order to get sober you have to sort of accept the fact that your decision making skills aren't haven't really been the best they're not Mm -hmm. and you're taking advice you're you're taking on you're accepting the wisdom of of a group or a mentor or a sponsor whatever you have to be willing to sort of turn yourself over to them and do what they say and and it's generally going to be really healthy stuff it's going to be like Mm -hmm. you know go through steps maybe do some writing you know make amends for things that you i mean it's going to be really healthy productive Mm -hmm. stuff that's Mm -hmm. going to serve you well the rest of your life Mm -hmm. but you 
it's hard after living that way to start questioning if so, you know if someone's if someone t tells you or the group you know is telling you that this is bad you know antidepressants are bad or or something else is bad you know mushrooms are bad whatever it is it's it's sort of to to question that it it can be kind of difficult you know is that my brain trying to get me to start drinking again mm -hmm. or using again mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. yeah, i can understand yeah. yeah i've certainly found myself in these slippery slopes and you know one step leads to the next you know for sure and uh so i understand to a certain extent uh, but the same way with kind of religion and very hardline politics where there's an unwillingness to question your own belief system uh, just it, that can be a real problem. That can be just as problematic as, you know, getting drunk every night or whatever. Right. So, so I'm curious with one of those steps in the 12 step, that 12 step program is like accepting, like I am and a fill in the blank, like I am an alcoholic or I am addicted is that part of a, is that a step in the program? Kind of accepting that you yeah. identify Yeah, I mean, with? I'm embarrassed to say I'd have to go look at the, the steps again. But yeah, you have to, to realize that you're powerless, you're powerless over the substance, whatever it is, that your life has become, quote, unmanageable, unquote. And then it's, okay. it's part of turning yourself, um, you know, you haven't been able to manage it or you wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. That's when, you know, I mean, that's when I, I laugh at people who, you know, are, are trying to quote manage their drinking or drug use because if you if you didn't have a uh, an issue with it, you wouldn't have to manage it. You know, my husband who has a beer once every two weeks with his pizza is not managing. He's not trying to manage alcohol. He's having a a beer with his pizza. He's having a beverage, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's another extreme. You know, but so anyway, it's it's all very interesting. You know playground you know um of experience you know and how it's 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 uh yeah it's just super interesting to me how some people can can work with substances differently and how those are I, I like to think of it in terms of a relationship with substances you know i have a i have a relationship with alcohol or cannabis or mushrooms or whatever it is and then how do you know uh how do i relate to this thing but mm -hmm. um yeah, I'd, I'd love to, to jump into your first encounter with mushrooms. You kind of touched on that already, the, the difficulty that you had there in Jamaica, um, you know, in this allowing yourself to give over to it. So, yeah, if you would just kind of talk about what your your first encounter with psilocybin was like. Uh, the first session I had um, was just pretty much like a, a venting of emotions. I think it was my like, you know, railing at God, you know, why, you know, why, why am I here? Why did I, you know, what did I do? This is not a good place. You know, I don't, you know, earth being a human being, it, it's hard. It's, it's, you know, it's difficult. It's, um, you know, people, suffer i don't have any control over anything i have no way of changing things and uh 
you know, why did I do something wrong? You know, it was a lot of sort of, it was just a venting. It was sort of a release, and I, I thought it was very cathartic. Um, I remember we had integration the day after, and and there was one lady in our group who had been sobbing the whole time, and I had been crying, but you came to me like you talked to her first and then you came to me afterwards like and I was really shocked because I thought I don't remember it being like that you know I I didn't remember it as anything that I didn't need the the attention you know like oh that I felt like you were calling on me a second because I had had some really extreme ex emotional experience and it and it was I mean it was an emotional experience but it didn't feel like I didn't I didn't need any special attention it was just sort of a cathartic kind of a venting of, mm -hmm. of and it was it was positive I felt um but the second dose is that what you want to mean yeah it was the second dose yeah. yeah so yeah so yeah I would I would love for you to explore that I'm, I, I was rem remembering that as your first experience so hold on then let's let's go back because you in that first experience did you not have any conflict with the altered state no really no i i just like i said i just felt like uh i remember the first thing that came into my head like i like on your podcast you say i don't know who that is who's who's speaking in the opening but it he says psilocybin pulls up Chair, a chair yeah, on talk, on your porch and sits mm -hmm. down to talk to you. Uh -huh. I mean, that's exactly what it it was like. You know, the first thing that I heard was uh, it was a quote that I think uh, actually uh, I, I'm blanking on the Supreme Court justice who passed away, Ruth um, Ginsburg. Ruth yeah, Ginsburg. Who who um, she was actually I think quoting some someone else, but was talking about. Uh, um, oppression and taking something about taking your boot off my neck all i need is for you know like mankind or men to take the boot off my neck and something about that and that popped into my head and then i just started you know like i said just sort of railing at, at god you know this i mean life is is it's hard it's hard just being and i don't mean like earning money and taking care of your family i mean just all the emotions and the suffering and all, all the things that don't make any sense in the world, that part of it has always been really hard for me. I've always felt like I, I mean, someone brought this up during the retreat. I felt like I don't belong here. You hear that a lot in 12-step mm -hmm. recovery programs. I felt like I didn't belong here. This is all some kind of a mistake. And uh, this is not, you know, this is not where I belong. It's not my home. I'm not sure where it is, but... So there was a lot of that and a lot of crying and and then I was fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So before your second experience, did you start to have any internal conflict or did it arise no. completely within the experience? No, it was completely within the experiment. Uh, the ex sorry, the experience. <laughs> that was some sort of Freudian Which was kind slip of an there. Too. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, I had been aware. I had become aware of microdosing at some point. And uh, I was aware, I think it was a friend of ours who's a psychiatrist, my husband and, and mine, um, 
who had, I don't know if he had mentioned to me at some point that the amounts, or or it was maybe one of someone on the retreat who had, who had mentioned to me that the amounts that, that we were taking were quite a bit more than a microdose would be. And that was, fu- <laughs> well, that yes. was fine. I mean, I, I didn't consciously have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and, you know, hence all the structure and support, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you had. So, um, but that's the first thing that, or one of the first things that popped into my head when the psilocybin was started to take effect was that, um, you know, I was taking a, a lot of psilocybin compared to a microdose and that I wasn't something about, you know, something to the effect that I wasn't sober anymore. I wasn't clean and sober anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it was just three or four hours of just, you know, uh, sort of panic and terror out of proportion to what that meant because I kept trying to talk myself down. Well, I mean, it's a significant accomplishment to go to be sober for how long at that point had you, you been? Maybe 30 years. That's, yeah. Wow. That's a significant accomplishment. And then to feel like somehow you have betrayed yourself or even your community, the 12 step program that you were part of, like that's. It's perfectly understandable. Um, I guess. I mean, on an emotional level, sure, that makes sense. But I, I just kept reminding myself that, you know, I, I didn't feel like, oh, as soon as this wears off, I'm going to go get a bottle of whiskey. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wasn't feeling that. I was There was a part of me that, that was telling myself, look, what's the worst case scenario here? You know, you, you go back home, you start going to meetings, and you start oh you start accumulating your time over if if that's what's important to you it's it doesn't mean you're you know going to be drinking and using you know heroin next week you know it but I could not talk myself down from there it was just I mean it was it, it was a really unpleasant hmm. place to be and. I think you're right. I think it was just, it was an emotional reaction. I mean, I had done a lot of embarrassing, stupid things while I was, you know, when I drank, there was a lot of shame around it. And uh, so it was probably just a very emotional reaction to, to losing what I had built. Mm-hmm. I so, feel like it's a normal part of going from any extreme to a more balanced place. Um, is having that debate of like, am I going to be able to manage this moving forward? Like this is an altered state. Am I going to be able to balance this? Am I going to now be having to use, get into an altered state every day now that I've had this Mm -hmm. experience? Mm -hmm. I mean, and not just in regards to like drinking and drug use, but like, I mean, eating disorders, like, that's a thing like mm-hmm. going from right one extreme to okay now i'm gonna is it okay to have a piece of chocolate every right, now right. And again or am i literally going to like gain all the weight in the world and right not be able to manage this anymore in this panic that kind right of and yeah in. that's interesting you bring up eating because that is one of the things that really differentiates like some of these programs is you know you, you can't stop eating if you have an eating disorder you can't right. stop mm-hmm. eating or um so this was, but this is also a problem that people in recovery come across all the time. It might start with, 
oh, you know, you go over to, you know, Susan and Bob's house for dinner and they've made some sort of pasta that has wine in it. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone will tell you that the wine cooks out. But if you've got this, rela mm -hmm. this relationship and this history with alcohol, that may not be really comforting you don't want the smell of the wine you right. don't want the mm -hmm. you know or it's bourbon infused ice cream or something uh -huh. like that right. or near beer mm -hmm. and then um then you'll have to have like dental surgery or you know some sort of minor mm -hmm. surgery and mm -hmm. they you need maybe you need pain medication mm -hmm. well how do you do that do you do you only take up to the prescribed amount what if you need more should someone else control that pain medication for you and hand it out to you after you know giving you five qu questions you know mm -hmm. it's it's something that people run into so this was i hadn't really thought about it before mm -hmm. i went because it felt like this very structured uh thing i was doing for my mental health it mm -hmm. didn't feel like before i went it didn't feel like oh, i'm going to get high this is great I can do this now. This is mm -hmm. like a sneaky way to back my back door back into <laughs> substances. It and after the first session, I there's I did not say to myself like, "Wow, I can't wait to do that again." <laughs> In fact, yeah, I can. I you know, it was pretty soon to be doing that again. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so then I'm interested how, as a support person on this uh, sacrament retreat that you just came from, and hearing people express concern about doing stuff that would they would be embarrassed of you know how did you kind of respond to that internally you know that was some of the conversation we had the night before people were talking about oh like am i going to take my clothes off and running around right, blah, right. Blah, blah, blah blah you know kind of the right. fears that similar fear that people have about you know getting blackout drunk or whatever and so now being on this side of it i'm interested if that yeah i had any did anything in, in your head um, I, I still I have to admit I still have a very uncomfortable relationship with the effects of psilocybin some okay. of the effects mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's there is a lot about it when you see and you experience uh, I want to say that looks like people just getting high or drunk mm -hmm. there's there's some of it because people are clearly not acting in exactly or talking in exactly the same way they would if they had not mm -hmm. taken mm -hmm. anything they get a little wacky sometimes yeah exactly they get a little wacky um and you know they I'm not trying to take away anything from the experience of psilocybin to, to mm -hmm. say that I'm just saying that the way it look, it looks a little bit like it looks enough like substance, uh, you know, the use of other recreational substances that it makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's also, you know, like how I acted when I had my wisdom teeth out and they gave me whatever they gave me you know it was goofy and there was had there was something that during the last sat the sacrament we had here mm -hmm. in louisville mm -hmm. there was one of the messages i had that you know 
sometimes the medicine makes you uncomfortable. Sometimes the medicine uh, has effects that you don't like. That doesn't that doesn't mean it's not good medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, my when my husband was getting radiation and chemo for his throat uh, cancer, we didn't cancel it because he was getting a really sore throat and he wasn't eating. And I mean, there was the the medicine comes with its own, and and that's the way I try to look at it now. Mm-hmm. I look at psilocybin as as a sort of among other things, a sort of a, a medicine, a, um, a sacrament, a spiritual experience, all these things. But it's just because it doesn't, that's what it just because it doesn't look like what you expect it to or what you want it to doesn't mean it's not good medicine. 100%. That at the last afternoon that we were there together in Jamaica and kind of watching you struggle to <laughs> enjoy yourself. That was a really interesting kind of you know, middle ground that uh, observing. Yeah, go the, ahead. The, the last dose? The, Wasn't that the last one? I, no, or that, that was the second. I mean, the one where I was. The third dose. The third you, dose, took I took a very small. Right. I took a relatively but small you amount. Sat there, you know, we were there with Seth and, yeah. and Kirsty yeah. and whatnot. And, and you know, being, oh, yeah. being kind of silly. I know and what you, you're talking you about. were just kind of like. I could just see it, and you kind of—I think you kind of said some things like, you know, I don't know—is this okay? Is it really okay for me to enjoy this? Can I can I really just have fun here? Is this like that was one of the side effects of the medicine that you didn't? Really, right. you no, no, with. no. You're bringing it all back for me. I I remember that clearly. In fact, this is during the second session when I got so freaked out. The first thing I said to you when I called you over was, "This is work, right?" Mm-hmm. Question yeah. mark. Yeah, you needed to like know. if this is. Like if this is work, then then taking the psilocybin, it's okay. If we're here to have fun, then I have just and there was only those <laughs> there were only those two options with no other overlap in my head. It was like this is either work or it's fun. So I'm sorry. So I did. I got freaked out when mm-hmm. you guys were mm-hmm. laughing mm-hmm. and joking around mm-hmm. because that meant it wasn't work, and I had been lying to myself about why I was there and I wasn't sober anymore or clean and I, and I, you know, it was all over and I was a failure and, you know, so I, I, I was very conflicted about, about enjoying it and about mm-hmm. seeing you enjoy it mm-hmm. uh, or aspects of it. Yeah. That, so I've come a long way since then, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I, I mean, it's a perfect example, I think, of of what you've said all along. Like, like, I mean, there was a definitely a structure to it in the sense that you guys had set up a safe environment, mm-hmm. you know, in Jamaica. And mm-hmm. um, aside from that, you were pretty hands off. Mm-hmm. And I was when I was having a hard time, I got really uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted, um, and that's another message I got in my last session was I need to be okay with being uncomfortable. I need to be okay with discomfort because not being able to hold, not being able to deal with discomfort is why I reach for alcohol or other substances, mm-hmm. you know, like life can be uncomfortable. You have to be okay with that. So, um, 
where was I was talking about? Um, dang. They kind of have. Oh, the, the unstructured. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, and and I think I I had a lot of resentment for a, a while after that because mm-hmm. I felt like I I wanted someone to swoop in and rescue me from this bad experience, mm-hmm. and now in hindsight, I or at some point in hindsight, I think I saw that the value of of going through that because it com- made me completely rethink um, my beliefs about sobriety and um you know being clean and i i believe that it's a much more individual thing it's a much more complex and individual state than i previously thought there are there are very few black and white rules to it um, what's okay for one person might not be okay. What, what works well for one person might not work well for another person. And this is not an excuse for, you know, there, there are clearly a lot of people that the safe way to go for most people is just, you know, let's say with alcohol, just don't drink, don't eat food with alcohol. Don't drink near beer. That's a safe way to go if you have a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, I think after that experience and evaluating that and, and, and taking the mushrooms, I've, I've come to the conclusion that it's a very individual thing. Now, out of respect for, you know, the 12-step program, I won't go take a cake anymore. I don't think on my, you know, when I hit another year because I feel like there are a lot of people who would, definitely say that i'm not clean and sober mm-hmm. um which is the irony you know because of bill wilson yes having lsd as part of his original part of you know the 12 step or aa's original program was lsd was foundational yes right? and so there's an incredible hmm. irony and a disconnect there but yes you know, i believe no a, that's very important i believe i I mean, again, I have a horrible recollection for facts, but but he was treated in the hospital at one point because of his alcoholism, and they gave him LSD, I mm-hmm, believe, as part mm-hmm, of his mm-hmm. treatment, and he had a revelation about, you know, about the program and how to, you know, it was, like you said, foundational to the creation of, mm-hmm. of AA as far as, you know, I'm sure people will debate this with us, but... Yeah, but it's a fact, so you know, right, <laughs> debate okay. facts all you want. It's a, okay. it's a known fact. Um so yeah, but so I, I just I think it's a very I'm less judgmental as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I I. So I think it was ultimately a really good experience for for me to to go through that. Am I am I wrong? We met at Whole Foods or somewhere. Remember we went and had lunch yes. one day, and and I, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. That is when, and that was like a year after your retreat, maybe, where you had started to talk about understanding the benefit of going through that experience. Am I wrong in that? Because it took uh, you a while to... Yeah, it probably did. I think, like I said, I was... I mean, my my experience um, at the retreat was definitely a positive one, and I'm, I was so glad I went. I, but I did carry around, I did carry some resentment around for a while about that, uh, about that second session and I wanted to try it again with a a more struct in a more structured environment um 
and I'm not sure what that would look like one on one, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, but yeah, I mean, as time passes, as as you know better than I do, and you start to integrate some of this stuff, and you think on it, uh, you know, it uh, you take uh, the important, you know, the important stuff out of it, and uh, and I I think that was a really important uh, experience for me to have having said that I still even you know my my third session I sort of I had a a positive pleasant experience I'd say it was spiritual but not you know I had a light very light dose and what I was looking for was something along those lines only I think a little more um, powerful maybe or a little more I don't know how to explain it. Um, you know, I wanted, like I said to Eric, I wanted something, you know, where's, when I was so upset and, and going through that second session, I remember saying to you, first of all, I remember saying, this is not for pussies. <laughs> and, excuse my language. And the second thing I said was, where's where's the, something about the, the se- like the session from the brochure oh, yeah. where's the where's the, like that's what i want like and there's not literally a brochure yeah. but you know i wanted the thing i had heard about like johns hopkins and michael maybe pollen. michael pollan you know or i'm gonna be at one with the universe and thanks michael pollan but <laughs> but I, I think i was still sort of looking for that and I think I left feeling like I had unfinished business and and yet I was still so happy with my experience I mean I remember sending my husband to you after we moved to Louisville mm-hmm. uh you mm-hmm. were at Heine Brothers one day I remember that yeah. you were there well yeah. I remember oh him telling yeah him having the meeting and me leaving or something like yeah, that. yeah I sent there. my husband I couldn't working. be there I think I was at work I sent my husband over to shake your hand yeah. because I was so grateful for <laughs> my experience and then when I finally did hook up with you at um, at the market there, yeah, 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 then I had to I had to hug you, which is funny because I never really felt like like on a real personal level like we I always felt like we didn't quite know what to do with each other. I felt like you didn't know what to do with me. I, yeah, <laughs> and I know. And how's this guy like he's he can't be working this guy can't be serious like, you would not be the only one <laughs> it was weird because you know if we had met like at a friend's house or a party i wouldn't be like hey i gotta spend some more time with eric and courtney there's like such there was not a, like a chemistry or a connection it was it was the psilocybin that brought us together mm-hmm. and in louisville the same thing and i'm only now starting to feel like a connect more of a connection with you guys so i think that's what you're talking about the whether it's spirituality or or you know what the universe has a bigger purpose you know bringing us together it wasn't my idea mm-hmm. no <laughs> no offense no 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 it's okay it's okay i mean you know it is it is really that whole thing you know honor was when she came to jamaica she was in the process of moving to louisville from la and found out in Jamaica that I was from Louisville. And then when she got to Louisville, we connected. So that was uh, an interesting. I thought you came to Louisville <clears throat> because of us. Yeah, <laughs> that was an interesting synchronicity. But what's, you know, something maybe that I haven't shared with you well enough. And, you know, I don't have to say, like, 
it, it's very rare that I work with anybody in mushroom space and don't have like a lot of love for them. You know, you like you see people suffer, you see people struggle, and you just your heart goes out to them if you're a caring person. And that, particularly the last dose in Jamaica, where I just like, I just I, I was just like I was just rooting for you to just <laughs> just relax and it was a beautiful day the birds oh, and the socrates and all the weirdness of that day <laughs> socrates, socrates was there socrates was, was there oh. made, an made an appearance and it was profound um but i i had i just had a ton of love for you and like really wanted to just see you just like sink into it there's this um how do i want to say this You know, you've said that you're a fixer. You said that you're oh, yeah. kind of always trying to like s- look for the problem and and how to to fix it. And you know, I think that's there's not anything wrong with that. Um, but I wonder if how do I want to say this? If maybe I feel more of an, a connection with you than you do with me because maybe you have a little more barrier resistance. I know for sure I've worked with a lot of people who've been through 12 step programs. And I know that somebody like me that enjoys eating mushrooms himself and knows the benefit of mushrooms, uh, looks like a pretty potentially sketchy character in this whole thing. How can this guy be in this for mental health when he's having so much fun? Uh, but that's one of you know, they're they're culturally, we have this, either you're working hard or you're having fun, and then we have this nine to five work 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 get off work drink drink drink. I feel like our culture, in a way where we're not allowed to, kind of like, enjoy our work. We're not encouraged to enjoy our work and enjoy our lives so much like. It's got to be either serious or blow off all the steam. That's kind of what I was wondering with you, Honor, like your uh, upbringing and how that was Mm. around work and fun. Like, what's your recollection of that growing up? Yeah, no, I'm not sure that that was it. Um, I think it had more to do with the, the... the substance okay. being involved. No, you're you're, but you're you're right though. There was definitely I would have been much more comfortable, and that was just that was me where I was coming from. It was okay for me to come take this substance if, uh, you know, like I said, if it was for like medicinal, if it was for my depression. So I would have been much more comfortable um, with my history if you had been you all had been wearing lab coats. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty structured in terms of safety. I never felt unsafe or anything, but just, you know, and then it had been, okay, um, now we're off the clock. Uh, you know, our, you know, our assistant is going to stay with you and make sure you're okay for the, the rest of the evening, our, our team and, you know, and we're clocking out and we're leaving and we're going to have a beer with our dinner privately somewhere, you mm-hmm. know. But there was this sort of gray area, the transition where we were sort of, you know, I don't want to say it, 
what's the proper term like the effects of the psilocybin were starting to wear off and mm -hmm. uh we were all kind of uh sitting around chatting together and you know i was after that second session thrilled that i just you know like survived people <laughs> were apologizing to me like oh they were talking about super spiritual experiences and and would apologize like oh i'm sorry I'm like hell no i'm just glad i survived everything's <laughs> fine and and you were laughing about socrates and and everybody was it was all very social and you know we i think we went down to have dinner one night with with somebody i don't remember but you know people were drinking beers and and it, it was just it was really it was me you know, just that to to ha not have those lines, just because of of what I, you know, I wanted. A, I think I would have been more comfortable with a clinical setting, given my background. I don't think that was a problem for anybody else. Mm. Um, but it, but again, you know that I'm a lot better. I I feel much better about that now than I did at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it you know, it's hard to say what would have been been better. I am very interested to see uh, the long term outcomes of clinical, very dry, orderly clinical experiences. Uh, because just as we're talking about the synchronicities in our meeting, and here we are, the synchronicities that occur and the seemingly random things that come out of these group experiences that are structured we had a structure it was very i always i like to say that i have a, a very big container a very big tightly sealed container um and allowing things to unfold as they do um seems to provide an opportunity for a more organic um experience that can be more readily applied to real life because in real life there is no black and white there is it's a muddy ugly mess out here um and so to take an experience which my my kind of general belief is that the psilocybin experience is a kind of a uh intensification of everyday life you know what you're experiencing is just intensely it's it's intensification of what you're experiencing every day in your subconscious and you're not aware of it. And so to try to put that into a clinic with, you know, fake trees and lab coats, I'm sure obviously there's benefit to it that comes out of it. Um, but there's a reason why historically the practitioners with the, these plants used the format that they did which was typically a group setting with very little rules, um, some kind of music at some portions, but uh, pretty organic and pretty free flowing. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. We're, we'll, we'll see as time goes on, you know, give it some decades where we're able to work with psychedelics, um, you know, in different modalities. And it will be very interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that much more than I, I did at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did, as you remember, we did a sacrament at my house mm -hmm. um, with mm -hmm. sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember one time during that experience feeling very, like I, I was I was getting all kinds of wonderful 
pearls of wisdom from the consciousness or, you know, God or my higher self, whoever was talking to me, but it was exhausting. And at some point, um, I remember calling you in and, and basically I wanted, I wanted you to fix it. Like, can, can you, like, how do I stop this? Okay. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm done. <laughs> and I don't remember your exact words, but it was something like just, you know, you'll be fine. Like, what? What do you mean I'll be fine? Like, like no, I'm done now. I, <laughs> okay, well, here, let me, let's, let's. No, oh, well, it's not, I, yeah, yeah. It's not working. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, it, it was annoying at the time, but, <laughs> but. I, I mean, there's a part of me that that respects the your ability to to be able to do that. Um, I was fine. If I had needed anything drastic, you know, like if I was, if I was having some physical symptoms that you know you thought necessitated a nine one one call, you would have been. And you also had support. Mm -hmm. Athena mm -hmm. was there. Um, I mean, there was there was no real risk but um i i am as you said like a fixer i'm the polar opposite of that where if 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 anyone is uncomfortable or or in any kind of pain emotional or physical i am i'm compelled to jump in and try to fix it even if it's just to cheer you up a little bit make a joke something like this and I realize that that's not always the best. That's not always what people need, right? I mean, I've never had kids, but imagine me, what kind of kids would I have raised if I had been for every single discomfort or skin, you know, right in the middle trying to fix it all, right? Yeah, I'm just relating to this so much like as helpless. a parent. <laughs> I would have raised helpless kids, right? <laughs> I mean, you have to, I'm sure you have learned if you didn't start out that way to to you know allow them to learn from their experiences as long as they're not in danger you know to learn how to be they're learning how to be productive adults it's not always fun being an adult or, you know but you know there's certain skills are going to learn from the, these uncomfortable experiences that are going to help them to be better adults right mm -hmm. so the hands-off thing there's a real value to that and that was again you know one of the the messages you know we, yes you have choices but you have to live with the consequences of your choices yes it's important for you to be okay with being uncomfortable that's mm -hmm. that's an important part of mm -hmm. you know life um so i'm you know at the time like i said i just i found it irritating but but I'm sure, again, your kids yeah. are really irritated when you don't <laughs> jump in and fix everything and right yeah. as it's happening, right? Yeah. So I'm curious, after that last experience with Sanctuary, um, and you're talking about this feeling of just wanting it to stop and just wanting it to be over, how has that come up for you since that experience with the mushroom, like in your everyday life? How is that? Um, that's a good question. I think I I had sort of uh, 
developed this, I don't know what to call it, like a, like a meditation or a mantra. I don't really meditate. I'm not good at it, but, um, when, whenever I got super and I, and I got physically like I tightened up and, uh, a little bit and I just, um, I just repeat to myself, like I try to relax physically and say something like, um, God, light and love. And I can't remember if there was more to it at the time, but that would always sort of bring me back to feeling relaxed. Like it was just a, a way of sort of getting centered again and relaxing. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll do, I still do that now, but it, again, it's a really good lesson that the, the discomfort will pass. Uh, you know, you just have to, you know, uh, experience it. I was, I'm trying to remember. I wish I could remember your exact words, what you said, but just sort of be with it. Yeah, be with it, kind of, yeah. Something like that. And, uh, I mean, it's all been such a, a great experience. It was the experience from the brochure that I wanted when I went to Jamaica. And I also felt, I think you were, I believe that you were very aware of, 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 of my concerns and, and I had lots of, you know, I, I had lots of, uh, su- say supervision without lot, without any interference. Mm. There was, you know, if I needed something, if I asked for a blanket or I don't know, a glass of water or help to the bathroom, something like that, that was immediately available to me. I had two people attending to me. Um, I never felt like I there was anything like that I didn't have that I, I needed, but I also was given a lot of space to just have my experience, which was really phenomenal. I mean, I feel, I told Eric at the time, how do you, how do you do this? Because I mean, if, if you don't mind explaining maybe a little bit about what it was like to have to, to do this in Jamaica without, having any religious overtones to it yeah thanks for asking that Uh, and that's a good sec it'll be a good segue into kind of what i want to ask you but um it was very challenging it was very challenging for me to not and I, i found myself constantly trying to find language that could drop hints you know um that's gotten easier for me because as I'm more able through sanctuary to talk about my understanding of the mushroom experience, then, um, I find that more and more I'm able to describe the, what I consider the spiritual or religious, if you will, mystical aspect in a very kind of grounded quasi-scientific way what I'm understanding the experience to be is an access point to consciousness and I I understand consciousness to be the origin the source of all creation Um, I remember mushroom experience I had in Indiana by myself years and years ago with the the one where I first quote lost my mind um, and it took me several years to find out that that place in, of insanity was one of the most productive places, and it was a 
place that could be um you could it, there's a utilitarian aspect to the insanity induced by that space because what the insanity is 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 jumping into the ocean of consciousness and i remember looking at the sky at night stars and thinking that's where all that's that's where all this originates the the consciousness itself is out there and not in here and so you know i worked with a lot of scientists in jamaica a lot of people who came down because of you know michael pollan and 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 whatnot and had a very pragmatic very um, neurologically based understanding of the experience and um, it was really it was it was tough uh, to not talk about it in an overtly spiritual metaphysical way because that is truly how I understand it now you know I, I, I started there at the end after you came there are a lot of things that started to be revealed to me about um kind of the nature of the human experience. And fortunately, I came into some teachings that gave me a more um, kind of science-backed, although like quantum sciences, not Newtonian sciences, uh, but scientifically-backed understanding of um, uh, things like precognition or... Um, clairvoyance or um transfer um uh what's the word like psychic transfer of information and those kinds of things because i mean i have absolutely seen uncanny things happen um channeling and weird stuff that my very rational mind and i grew up catholic and was like just like god is a man and kind of thing and then all that just blew up uh when I found psychedelics and when the Catholic church proved to be a, you know, a bunk organization. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really challenging to not talk about the spiritual side of it. But at the same time, I had deconstructed my understanding of God that I didn't even know how to put it into words, you know? So that's another reason that, a lot of times with Jamaica and even still in the work that we do, you know, I don't want to tell somebody, I want to let somebody experience it. And then like we had this NASA scientist or worked with this NASA scientist. He's one of the guys that designed the Mars Rover, right? Very just materialist science. Everything is numbers and is, is material, very, you know, grounded. If you would say whatever science, <laughs> hardcore science, there was nothing out there. And he had, an experience there's no I couldn't tell you but like I, I felt his I felt this thing coming on I was there with somebody and I said oh get ready for this and like about two minutes later this scientist just goes into channeling the ohm like the cosmic ohm and he did it for about four hours unbroken and he came out of it and he was like Eric what the fuck was that because that was not me you know, and so like there is such a beauty in organically allowing these things to happen and not telling people like, oh, this is some kind of spiritual thing or this is some kind of science. Just like, let's just let this thing unfold and then I'll do my best to provide some kind of interpretation based on my experience of what's going on. 
I still don't say that I don't know what's going on, you know. Um, but I've seen I've seen a lot of things and I've watched and tried to put pieces together. So I don't know if that answers your question at all, if it went down too far of a tangent. But it was really hard for me not to talk about you know God, if you will, uh, at Myco. Yeah, I mean that makes perfect sense. Um, but uh, I mean one of the biggest things that's come out of this is, uh, especially since the the sacrament that we did here in Louisville has been, it has really set me on a path of um, like spiritual growth. Um, I, I've read a lot, learned a lot, listened to a lot of uh, information about theories about consciousness and uh, trying to explain how this works because um, like I said to you at the time, like how do you do this without talking about God? Because I, I was connected to something really important you know I was getting really you know what I felt very spiritual significant messages about everything from you know the plants in my house to my husband's cancer to I mean so many different things but um, this has been sanctuary and this group has also been a so a place for we can talk about these ideas I mean I've gone from um just having sort of some vague spiritual beliefs, I guess, to a point where I now believe that, as you said, like we're all part of a one one consciousness that um, I think are, and this is just me, you know, don't, you know, I, I hope this doesn't upset anybody, but, you know, just that, that our brains, I believe, are, are like filters for, for the consciousness, you know, that is expressed maybe uniquely through through each of us but it's sort of a filter and it filters out so much information and i think what that that is at the core of of the universe or that universal consciousness but uh um i think what the psilocybin allows for that filter to sort of open up a bit so it'll i think it allows you to, to you know get reconnected in a sense to that universal consciousness get some you know maybe get some good information but i mean it's 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 been huge i think for me and and the only question at this point this gets back to the substance abuse is now how do i use it now that i feel like it's something very important and sanctuary is something that's important to me um, how do I use it now in a, in a, in a responsible way? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to be eating mushrooms every day. Uh, I'm, I'm very reluctant to uh, take anything at all outside of, again, a structured sort of environment, a sacrament. Uh, so, and, and to what extent, you know, do, I mean, how much of this, how much do I need? How much is important for my personal growth and, and development or my spiritual development? So that's that's a question because the way I look at it is I don't need to know everything because I'll eventually know. I think someday I'll die and I'll, I'll be reunited with the consciousness and I'll know everything. So it's sort of like, you know, the way I look at it is I suppose I'm 63 years old now. So if I spend all my time as a 63 year old learning what it's like to be 65, then I will be wasting my 63rd year. Cause I'll eventually be 65. I'll find out what it's like. Right. I don't need to, 
I don't need to devote my entire being to, to, to learning everything I might need to know when I'm 65. Now, having said that, there's probably a reasonable amount of research I can do um, when now in my 63rd year about being 65 that will make my 65th year better. Maybe learn about so when should I start taking my Social Security? Well, you know, how do I sign up for Medicare? Um, things that also might make my life better now, like uh, should I, if I join AARP, what kind of great discounts am I going to get? You know, <laughs> so I I feel like there's a happy medium in there somewhere where I can mm -hmm. devote enough time in a constructive way to to learning about what is that about? What is what is that consciousness about? Why are we here? What do I need to be? You know, what do I need to be doing? here that's going to make this existence good for me good for you know helpful to other people um without devoting you know my entire existence to the consciousness i mean mm. so that's the question now i suppose well, how can your entire existence not be devoted to the consciousness is what would be my question oh <laughs> yeah but it, but part of this don't you think part of, see this is what's been great too is about these philosoph I've had more philosophical discussions in the last few months probably with you guys than I've and I love them you know than I've probably had in the last 10 years like hmm. and it's stuff that that I love but yeah I mean I would say there's some part of the experience of just being existing here that that is is important with the filter for sure. intact right for sure. mm -hmm. but but what but what that's what's happening i guess yeah <laughs> yes it so is. what part of that is really important why is it important for us not to be aware of all the universal truths and and everything that exists you know yeah. there's some reason why we're here in this form with these filters in place having said that mm -hmm. again there's a lot i think there's lots of useful information that we can access you know through psilocybin or you know maybe other you know through meditation or breath work whatever you want to mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah, forgetting is just as important as remembering uh, yes if you were consciousness, what would you put honor here to do? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, God. That's like philosophical blended with personal growth. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, if you could just. Yeah, that's the take big a, question, right? Take a guess. Like, if you were that all consciousness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that God consciousness you're looking down at honor you're like mm, i'm gonna have that one do that oh, what would God. that be um that that's the question i mean i i don't know that's i mean i guess you know it it sounds like an easy an easy out but I mean just I guess to to grow to help as many people as possible to grow as much as possible but I'm not sure why this is what I run into when I see when I hear people talk about like earth school you know we're here to learn we're here to grow but my question is why you know it's like 
you know, the kid who wants to know why, why do you have to go to school? Well, you have to go to school so you can um, get a good education. Well, why? So that you can, um, you know, get a, a good job someday that you like, that you enjoy and use your, you know, use your gifts. Why? So you'll be happier and lead a fulfilling life. Well, why? You know, there, there's, so why is that growth? Why is it, if it is important to be helping other people and to be growing, then why is that important? Courtney hit me real when we were first dating, very early on we were dating. I was all up on that why train. And nobody had ever said this to me before, I don't think, but she was like, why is kind of a useless question? Because it just leads to another why. Yeah. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's like nothing to say there. And it has the tendency to lead to people feeling defensive as well. Mm. Just another side note mm. about it, including ourselves. Why? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I don't know. <laughs> and I mean, you know, like that's kind of one of the big things that have come out of the experiences for me, you know, is that that's, that's the answer. The why is the, because it's just why, because why, because why, because yeah. like, so like then my question then becomes, well, okay, now what, <laughs> if not, why, then what? Yeah. I mean, I think honestly what it boils down is you sort of have to, to go with your gut mm -hmm. and what feels right to me is helping other people. Now I don't know to what extent I'm doing that, but I feel like, I feel like we all have opportunities to do that every day. It doesn't have to be like saving a child from a burning building. Mm which is how I would like to have it happen. <laughs> I'd like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, my fantasy is like the, you know, I want to be the, the hero, but I also realize at the same time that, that we all have opportunities to help people every day. I mean, when I worked, I worked in personal security for about 25 years as, as you know, a, a so-called bodyguard. And I, I never had, I never had any dramatic, I never took a bullet for anybody, I never did anything like crazy dramatic like that, but I made a lot of people feel better every day. I felt, I gave them peace of mind sitting out in front of their houses um, or walking them through venues or walking with them if, when they had valuables or I made a, I gave a lot of people comfort and a sense of well-being, I think. Um, and you know in in the immigration i worked in an immigration law office i helped a lot of people get work permits i helped you know someone else could have done the same thing for them but you know i did it and so you know helping holding a door open for someone or helping them if they're struggling in any any way i just feel like all that stuff is is helping people so um, that feels good. Mm -hmm. That feels right. And, um, learning from all my mistakes is <laughs> there's, there's no way to avoid the mistakes. So I feel like show, 
finding the positive in a situation that's one of my gifts i mean there's there's no situation you can show me where i i won't be able to pull something positive out of it and so that feels good i i don't know what else i'm supposed to be doing but you know that's a pretty good start mm. you said all that i kind of something came to me honor is like god's bodyguard yeah. <laughs> consciousness was looking down and said i want that one to yeah. protect me right and <laughs> all my little forms <laughs> that's so funny because i heard one of the things i heard during that sacrament was like uh when i said uh i have no you know i have no control and i heard um here you want control you have control and and then i didn't know what to say and and again eric you know telling eric he joked like or, or what are you going to do probably fuck it up and which is true but the thing is i said my next question was then um then you're going to take care of you're going to take care of me then and what i heard was um no i said will you take care of me and what i heard was i always have hmm. and I said, and you'll take care of Craig too, who's my husband. And I heard, I will take care of Craig just like I've always taken care of you, just like I take care of you. Mm -hmm. And so that made me feel, it wasn't like, yes, I will. It, it didn't, it wasn't, I will always take care of you. It was, I always have, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. made me feel like, well, all those times when I thought everything was so fucked up and, and I was suffering and I felt like just everything was horrible, you know, I was actually, someone was, or a, I was being cared for. Mm -hmm. I was being looked after and cared for. So that was a lesson for... Consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so nice. that's the question, like, you know, when people, when we, when, and believe me, I get caught up in these things too, right? But like, what should I be doing with my time here? Um, if there's a should, then the should is you should be allowing it to move through you. You should, we, we, we get caught up in these decisions. We get caught up in this, uh, control like we have like honor you did not choose to come and do this podcast with us today we did not choose i didn't i did eric and courtney didn't invite you to come on this podcast you're we're having this conversation because now is the time for us to be having this conversation this is this is the equation unfolding um that's how i understand it anyway that the the words that i'm saying i'm not choosing to say them they are words that are flowing through me and just like you talked about this filter that kind of limits us from available information, um, it is the more we can relax and allow consciousness existence to move through us, following our following following inspiration, following hunches, just just going with the flow like it's all perfect it doesn't mean even, even if we're, we're even when we're resisting it's okay because that's what we're supposed to be doing at that time 
but if we don't resist then it gets even perfection gets even more perfect <laughs> right it's you asked you asked about like when you should take more mushrooms right and i'm, I'm sorry i'll just i'll stop after this yeah but like this is a, an interesting thing that i've come up against having taken as many mushrooms as i have and at times being very concerned that i was taking too many mushrooms and ex- just dipping my diving into this sea of consciousness too much that it was going to be overwhelming and one of the things that very frequently came to me in the midst of the you know mushroom madness where it's like should i have done this or when when, how do i know when and it was just like stop asking the question because when you take mushrooms that was the right time to take mushrooms and people like oh how much should i take how much whatever you took it was the right amount wherever you are it's the right place to be. What if your accountant responded to you like that? <laughs> when should I file my taxes? <laughs> whenever you want. No, it's not whenever you whenever. want. Whenever. Well, but how, how, what form how late, should I fill how, out? How Whichever we, one you pick is the how, right one. How late are we on our? How, how late are we on our taxes? How late were we on our taxes? Well. Do we need to go there? We got it. And, and what? You just keep filing an extension. It's fine. <laughs> you just file an extension. We're fine. But I would not out. hire that accountant again. I'm just saying. But that's not. <laughs> that's that's a, just as a side that's note. That's a great well, point. <laughs> but that's a great and point. Also a central note. But isn't it? I mean, but it, it's got to be some kind of a balance, right? I mean, yes. that, I'm yes. grappling with that right now. Making, because we're called as like, as human beings, as caretakers of whatever, we're, we're called to make our our best possible decisions all the time and yet somehow we man you know with all the life experience that we have we somehow make the wrong the quote wrong decision sometimes things happen you know mm-hmm. you so it's got to be a, a balance right of of you making with the information you have mm-hmm. about your taxes and the filing deadlines to make the best decision and then just giving it to like do the best you can and whatever however it all works itself out that's how it was what destined to be and living with the consequences of yeah. that yeah do the mm-hmm. best you can with what you got and then let it go there you go that Move just sums on. it up <laughs> yeah, that's much. that's where i'm at no it. i mean that's I mean that that's it i mean we're we're in physical bodies we're in this illusion I mean, that's, you know, we're, we're in this illusion that this is all there is. And, you know, you work with it the best you can because that's, this is what we, you know, this is what we're experiencing. And we, we know that what we're experiencing is a fraction of what is occurring. I mean, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction at infinitum. And so, you know, you do the best you can. Do the best you can. It's like my jujitsu instructor the other day. <laughs> I've taken two self-defense classes and I try and talk about it as much as I can. <laughs> and I try to catch her off guard as much as I can. <laughs> Do you sneak up on her? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah you need to in the dark. check yourself on that because I'm getting better and better. Yeah. Two classes, well, baby. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, he you know, was demonstrating there's two instructors two to three and they you know one's the bad guy and then uh the other one is like the one that's you know being attacked the defender and so he was demonstrating like all right you know you're gonna be attacked and when you when you go to break 
their leg, you may fail. And then, yeah, that's okay. You just try something else. You just scoot up a little bit. You try and break it another way. You know, you just, you're going to mess up, especially when you're stressed and you're all discombobulated and you're going to try and pull them down. You might fail. That's all right. Move on. Do a different move. And that was like really yeah. relatable to me. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's kind of what a, we're doing. Uh, we had this conversation at the retreat, which I would I really want to, we got a, a, about 20 minutes left. I'd love to get you to talk about your experience um, as a caretaker. Um, but we had this conversation at the retreat. I don't know if you remember, and I can't put it into words right now, but there was this understanding of the binary nature. Like it's all yes, no. Do we have choice? The question was around free will, and it's an interesting question. My general belief is that we don't have free will. If we do have free will, then we have, you know, basically yes, no all the time. So yes, no, yes, no, left, right, left, right. It's it, Life exists in a binary code, and we choose the side based on information that we've gained from previous experience and whether it works out to what we believe is be optimal or not then we then make next decisions on that and so like every decision that we make right now in the moment that we're in is based on a multitude of decisions that were made lifetimes before us really and so yeah it's just it's just it's just interesting so but anyway i would love to, i would love to get to you talking about your experience because you've really had this really interesting tra trajectory coming to psilocybin having this kind of resistance against the quote intoxication giving over to it this religious experience god talking to you if you will some very major life changes that then brought you around to wanting to be a support in that space and so having done that one time now uh, can you share just your perspective on that side of the mushroom? Okay, um, it w it was interesting. I mean, I think I think I expected it to be a lot of integration without. I didn't think about the, the boring parts <laughs> 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 or the hard parts. It was work. I mean, yeah. it, it was work. I was. Um, at least from my first experience, and I could see that Eric and Athena were also very tuned in to, to the people that were, this was the, the first sanctuary retreat, retreat mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And um, so they, I mean, we were all very tuned in to uh, the people who had dosed and were doing a sacrament. And you couldn't, I was uh, I was afraid to take my attention away from the people that in my vicinity, but they weren't doing very much, to, you know. So it was just uh, it was like watching a really boring show. Like <laughs> you know, I was looking to see if you know somebody if anybody was moving, if they were getting up, if they needed anything, uh, if they were you know if they were moving, uh, were they safe? Were they you know? did they need any help getting to the the bathroom and, you know, anything that, that, that might arise. And so that, that was like about 40 hours of that. Right. I mean, that was, no, that was probably what, like three or four hours, about three hours, three hours. Yeah. And, um, then there was a lot of additional, well, there was first of all, a ton of work that went into it before I even got there. Hmm. So C Courtney and Eric 
and Athena mm-hmm. had done a huge, I, I, I really had no idea, you know, from logistics of putting everything together to like meals. Um, I, I don't know if she got any help, but Courtney had put together a really amazing menu. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you. Yes. So, and I was, because I, I take the, the easy job. I was just the chief dishwasher basically. So <laughs> I, I jumped in and, um, was helping with washing dishes and I think it was some food prep and all that it, because you know you wanted Very to make important. sure yes washing dishes no it was I mean uh, yeah Super I, helpful. I, I don't need to be doing anything glamorous I was helping right yeah mm-hmm. so um but you guys had done a really good job of making sure everyone felt very well cared for and we're getting everything they needed you know from attention to food and nutrition and everything during the experience so I was helping with that and then, then really talking about people's experiences was, um, you know, not the, I'll say, the, the integration uh, and the discussion beforehand, people's anxieties and concerns and, you know, worries or whatever, or what they were looking forward to or what they hoped it would be. That, that, was, that was, for me, the most interesting part of it, but it was really only a, a small part of, of the whole experience. And I, I think it seemed to go really, really smoothly. And it was hard. It was everybody, I think, worked hard. And I, I have to say, I was still a little uncomfortable with uh, see, you know experiencing people being slightly altered. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm working to, to sort of get over that. I mean, you know, again, if, if those people had just had minor surgery or, you know, and were slightly altered, it would be, you know, it's just, like I said, it's, it's, it's hard to get, uh, it's hard to get past that part of it. But, you know, if I think, I I think I'm, I think I'm fine with, uh, (laughs) I think I'm, you know, it's it's all part of the it's all part of the experience, and that just because it looks similar doesn't mean it's it equates with. These are not people mm-hmm. hanging out and partying together. Mm-hmm. These are people who these are spiritual people who share some common beliefs and want to share a common. <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong here. Want to share a common experience and uh with uh, with psilocybin mm-hmm. and i think yeah it's, it's I think intentional it's, yeah and i think it is fair to say that even in a spiritual context in a in a, in a atmosphere such as this that people are seeking healing right that's yeah that's a distinction that a lot of people try to make that either okay it's either recreational it's therapeutic or it's a religious experience I, my mind, they are they are all can be, sometimes aren't the same. Yes, and <laughs> and people did have fun, right? There were lots of laughs there was, and tears. There was, yeah. yes, yes. So and some puking, and yeah. right? <laughs> you don't have to cry, right? No, for yeah. it to you be can, you can laugh meaningful. You can, yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm, in, I'm. That's interesting. I didn't think about you having a level of discomfort with people being in altered states around you. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was it was okay. I mean, and yeah, speaking of laughing, there was one one participant who laughed no the whole the whole dang time quite exactly yeah. quite a bit yeah. and he's he, still uh, laughing you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely been he's been in a really good place afterwards uh and that as well you know it's so so interesting steven we did a podcast when he was on the last one of the recent episodes and you know just having worked with him before and seeing his development and and all it's just really but do, really do you feel like you both feel like People, to, to at least some extent, people get what they, they need from these experiences, whether they know it or not at no, the 100%. time. 100%. Yeah. I, uh, hearing about your second experience in Jamaica reminded me a lot of experiences that I've had in the past where I'm really upset with the mushrooms. I'm like, you tricked me. Like, you're supposed to be helping me. <laughs> I'm supposed to be working and, and having this crazy experience that whatever is making me grow and I'm just I feel like you just totally tricked me I'm over here like having some kind of fun like laughing and no no like this is a this is a trick oh screw you like getting mad and so what was and so ultimately and what that was the lesson that? for me was that that's what I have done a lot in my life is feel like I've got to be serious. I've got to work. This has to be a productive task, right. which can be, you know, counterproductive when you have to be productive all the time. And that, did what's that come the point from, of life? Did that come from your childhood? Because you were a competitive ice skater. Ice skater. There you go. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's deeper rooted than all that. And, I mean, I don't know where it came from, Think but that, though. ice skating is supposed to be fun. <laughs> in moderation. <laughs> no, in moderation. Not. Yeah, yeah, until you turn it into a fucking yeah, six until, hour a day. Until it's not moderated anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's an athletics problem in general. But I think a lot of people can relate to that mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. You know, work, work, mm -hmm. work. Got to log the hours. Got to do as much as you can. Be as productive as you can. Maximize. Mm -hmm. Be efficient. So I, I've just I have learned, you know, just like your experience a year, two years later, just like you saw. I think you saw Nancy at the retreat, you know, talking about her experience a year and a half or two years ago and how she was still having realizations like, oh, that part of the mushroom trip that sucked. I'm just now understanding that's what this was about. Yeah. You know, and so it's just like kind of like you're saying with kids and you're talking about wanting to be helpful sometimes the most helpful you can thing you can do is just stay out of the way and let the experience because there isn't there is an intelligence here and that's what i don't know you know i know there are some clinicians and scientists that do feel this way uh <clears throat> excuse me it's not that i think that the mushrooms themselves necessarily have an intelligence there is an, uh, an awareness in the mushrooms uh, for sure but the, this this consciousness that we're talking about that is taking care of you and has been taking care of everything that's in existence right now like it like we're just full of fucking ego if we think that we know what's good for us right right give yeah. me control and I'll fuck it up right. <laughs> you know uh, so yeah there's there's some real real value in just letting it letting go do the best you can. And let go. Yeah, get out of the way. Get out of the way. 
so and that's what is so fascinating to me. Even um, it was back in September of 2020, I had a mushroom trip that my very first mushroom trip in 1999 came back to me in September of 2020 and taught me, uh, it was like, holy shit, you've been there all this time. I had no idea that this, and that was a playful, like I was 19 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. I was getting fucked up with some friends in an apartment complex, painting the walls and being crazy. But it had such a profound lesson that I can't really even put into words. You know, you can just try your best to absorb it and embody it. So now it's time. Mm. Now it's time. If you were to, you look so concerned. (laughs) Now, here's what we really brought you here for. Now, (laughs) the cult. I knew it. Awakens. (laughs) Okay. If you were to uh, have a t-shirt that says, psilocybin says, fill in the blank. What would psilocybin say to you? That's a very good question. Um, Psilocybin says, relax. (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, it's just not, I think we're, we're taking, we take it all and I'm the most guilty. We take it all so seriously. Everything, every decision we make means everything and everything we do is going to have consequences for other people. And it, it's just, it's like you said, make the best decision you can and, and let it go. Just try to, try to relax. Life is hard enough without making it harder than it, it has to be. Mm-hmm. I love that. Relax. Easier said than done. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. I also really appreciate your question about you know when when do I take mushrooms? How do I how do I know when I've taken it? When you know when do I know when to take mushrooms? Uh, especially someone who's worked through some substance abuse. And I would say it's kind of the same thing. Just relax and let go and let your intuition lead. You'll know. It's definitely not something that is going to get out of control. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the beauty of, of being part of this organization and part of Sanctuary is there are, you know, it's it's not a, just a group of friends hanging out and it's, it's a deliberate, organized, uh, you know, you, you I don't know what else to say. It's a, it's a conscious, uh, you're making conscious decisions about when and how to get together, you know, everything from this, the Sunday services uh, to retreats. There are opportunities within this uh, uh, organization to do it in a, in, a, in a structured way that work for, especially for people like me, but for anyone really. Mm-hmm. Well, it sure is. It's really awesome having you part of our community and having you from, you know, the Myco thing all the way through here, being in Louisville. It, it, it sincerely gives me a sense of 
being on the right track because it's just like okay everything's just falling into place and here's this person mm-hmm. so i'm really really grateful to have you as part of our community <laughs> thank you yeah. i i feel like it's that's probably true <laughs> i feel like no i feel like it must be <laughs> you know it it doesn't feel like all to me like all the stars have a line but it yeah. it the reasonable part of my head that believes in this stuff says yeah that's got to be it (laughs) what else could it be (laughs) yeah that's it we're here aren't we that's right (laughs) (laughs) thanks for coming on the show honor yeah thank you thanks for listening